Welcome back. This is Focus. I'm Ron Sisko. Today, I wanted to talk about doing the thing. It's on the subject of doing the thing. Right now, I'm listening to music. Uh, I guess uh, one of the things, I never really explained how, how this creative process works. I, uh, I have a list of things that I want to hit, like a, a bullet point. But then I listen to music, and it kind of gives me a, a, an internal rhythm. I kind of speak to that. And today I've changed up the music just a little bit. So I've got like a neon lounge seduction thing. I wish you could listen to it. I know, I know, it seems really mean. So if you're interested, Google Play Music has playlists up. The one called Neon Lounge Seduction is the one I'm listening to right now. And I think I'm, I'm going for something a little bit less intense than maybe the last episode was. Uh, so we're recording this one fresh because this one was, uh, was one I wanted to interject. Uh, kind of a special episode, sort of. So today we're talking about doing the thing, which is, which is something that came up when I was discussing child rearing with my coworkers and my boss. They both have children. I don't. It, it became a, a subject of interest for them because I, I have ADD. I don't know if I've actually mentioned that ever on stream before, but I have ADD. And, uh, and I'm not self-diagnosed with ADD. I went to see a doctor. I think I was about uh, 27. In case you're not familiar with the way the process works, the doctor uh, gives you an evaluation. They ask you a few things about your life. And, uh, and one of the things that I had always had problems with is doing the thing. And I like to say do the thing. I don't know. It's much to the chagrin of my wife whenever I say, uh, can, can we just do the thing or I'm going to do the thing. Or, you know, it's just it, to me, it's such a, a staple in my life. Doing the thing is an actionable thing. It doesn't have to be a certain thing. But it's, it's representative of, I'm going to do something. And so we sat down, and the doctor says, so what brings you here? And I say, well, I've been trying to make this appointment for three years. And that was like sign number one. Oh, well, that's, that, is a, that is definitely a sign that you might have ADD. Uh, I was always putting stuff off. It wasn't always just helpful things either, just th not just things I didn't want to do, like things I knew I needed to do. I'd watch the deadline hanging over me, and I would see bills come and go, and I would pay them late, even though I had the money. It's just, I just couldn't do it. It was, it was something I just wasn't interested in. But even the things that I knew I needed to do or the things that I wanted to do, I wanted to go see a doctor about this and talk and say, hey, I want to know what's wrong with me. Because ADD, I think, uh, I think a lot of people are kind of soured on the concept of ADD because they believe it's overdiagnosed. But if you have ADD, you, you know, like, it's painful. And I don't mean like, there's, I mean, sometimes it feels like a, a physical pain. It's, it's an, almost an anxiety, being paralyzed by your, your lack of ability to do something because you can't concentrate. So I finally made the appointment. I had to make it on my own. I had to convince myself to do it. Um, my wife at the time wasn't particularly supportive of, of me doing this, but I, I knew that I finally needed to sit down and get this, get this settled out. So I also took a test. It wasn't quite an IQ test, but it was definitely an intelligence test. It had a lot to do with verbal syntax and spelling and identification, whatever. We did it. It was really quick. I test really quickly. I think a lot of people with ADD do, actually. Um, I'm also a little dyslexic, but that's hardly the point. And then, uh, and then we went over a quick evaluation of how, how things were in, in my life and what I was missing and, and what things were. And they could tell in the first 35 minutes of the conversation, they're like, yes, you definitely, 
need to be on medication. Contrary to what you might think, ADD isn't about time management. And medication does help immensely. Anybody with ADD can tell you what a difference it makes. It's like, it's like you're at work and you know how your organization system is. Even if your desk is a complete mess, you know exactly where everything is. But maybe that's not the most efficient way to go about anything. Maybe you, you can't get anything done just because of how messy your desk is. And taking medication for ADD is, is actually quite a bit like, well, having somebody show up and reorganize your desk. And the first time you do it, the first few times you do it, it's so confusing to have everything completely out of place. Everything's organized. You know it's organized in a way that makes sense, in a way that's efficient. But because you have spent all this time in your life not used to that organization, you can't use it. And so that my first couple of experiences with ADD were very confusing. I couldn't even drive a car. Uh, my first time riding a bicycle on uh, Adderall. I was, I was on Adderall. Um, my, my first few times using it, I, I was so uncoordinated that when I got on a bicycle, what was happening with my body and what was happening with my equilibrium and what was happening with the way I was processing input was so confusing to me that I vomited and I'm sorry for bringing that up. I hope you're not eating anything right now, but it was just like, I just, I just, I wanted you to know what it was like. And in a lot of ways, it wasn't an immediately positive experience. It was great to have everything reorganized for me. And I felt so in the moment. I felt so attached to what I was doing. And I was talking a little bit faster and maybe a little bit too much because all of the things that I wanted to say were now just coming out and I was, I was good at it. And, and nobody really complained, but I was always worried that I was driving people crazy. But again, there were downsides. I didn't feel connected to the moment. I felt like I was looking through my own eyes while someone else was driving the car. I felt disconnected. I wasn't hungry. My mouth was dry. I was talking too much and realizing I was talking too much and not feeling like I should stop talking. And then there was, I like to call it falling off the dose. Um, when you start out, you'll probably be given five milligrams that you split in two every four hours. So you have 2.5 milligrams and then four hours later, 2.5 milligrams and you build up a, a tolerance to that and and they tell you that Adderall is not addictive but what they don't really make clear to you is that you're going to be taking so much of it over the course of time that the doses will stop working the same way they were and that's medical science it's just the way it is but it becomes less effective and then you start like I said falling off the dose and it's this lost feeling where your desk was all organized, it's like you can't find the desk anymore. Like all of the things that you were capable of, you're no longer capable of. All of the, the immediate formulation of what you wanted to explain no longer makes sense to anyone. And it's immensely frustrating not to understand how to, how to communicate or how even to think or how to organize yourself or if, if you were in the middle of something, even, even to do the thing. And it's funny because it never goes away. It doesn't matter how much Adderall you take. 
you're never done. And you can stop taking Adderall. You can, you can be up to 40 milligrams every hour, every four hours and, and have to take a break from it. And they say it's not addictive, but the way I felt not taking Adderall, I don't know. Maybe I was just addicted to the feeling of, of being normal. There's a medical reality that comes with ADD. And it's, it's one of those things where people don't want to believe that a chemical is required to balance you out. And I don't want to seem like a hypocrite. I don't currently take Adderall. I should, but I don't. And, and the reason I should is because in order for everyone else to get 100% of me, that chemical addition is the only way you're ever going to get that. Instead, you get maybe 50, 50%. And I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I just don't work that way. I don't have my head in the game. I'm, I'm already thinking about something else. In fact, as I record this podcast, what I like to do, and, and you'll probably notice it here or there, there'll be some breaks in the sound or maybe something in the background that doesn't sound right. I, I try to go for a, a stream of consciousness, but, but I cut when I get lost because I've stopped paying attention or because my wa- mind has wandered. And sometimes it's so bad that I don't remember what I just said. And I have to play back the last 15 seconds of what I was saying to get back on track. I didn't want to make the first 10 minutes of this podcast all about me, but, but I wanted you to, to kind of understand where I come from when I say doing the thing is hard. And for most people, doing the thing is hard. For me, doing the thing is nearly impossible. And maybe you relate to that. And I hope you do. I, I, I don't want to say this to you and then for you to say, well, that's, that's stupid. All I do is just do the thing. And that, that's great. If that's your case, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little jealous, envious, I suppose. Homer Simpson, of all people, fictional people, told me the difference between envy and jealousy. And, uh, and I should really use that a little bit more specifically. I'm envious. I, I wish I had that. I don't. I don't take the chemicals because I don't like the feeling of being on the chemicals. And I have that option. I'm lucky enough to have that option. But I probably could accomplish so much more if I was taking that. Now, it's not to say that I... There are downsides. You know, I've, I've tried other things. But there's a reality, and I want to talk about the reality here. Any doctor worth their amphetamine salts will probably tell you that there is no intrinsic cure. You can, you can write things down, you can organize your life, you can try to schedule things properly, but there's no making up for the lack of normalcy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. I don't want you to feel like it's a bad word or that I feel less of a person not being normal, but, but that's... It's a thing that's missing. If you're not affected by this, it's hard to understand. And if you are affected by this and you've never gotten treatment, then you definitely don't understand. But there's something missing. Samsung doesn't pay me, but I will say that ever since acquiring a smartwatch, and currently I wear 
a Samsung Galaxy watch. It's really helped my life. I, I get to stay on task a little bit better. My, my schedule is more, I won't say organized, but I know what's coming up. I know what I'm doing. And so one of these things that, that the people with ADD do is we, we find little systems that help us organize ourselves. And the truth is it's never going to fix anything 100%. You can, you, can, you can make yourself look put together. But the pain of sitting down and doing something that you just didn't want to do always remains. Whereas when you're medicated, you just do the thing. And so uh, in discussing parenting with, with my, um, my coworkers and my boss, we talked about how it is that you get someone who is afflicted with ADD, like, like I am and very much like they feel like their children are, how you get them to do the thing how to stay committed to something, how to pay attention, even when they don't want to. And it really got me thinking about how we create systems for ourselves. Some of us don't do the thing. I spent 28 years not doing the thing. And then a couple of years after when I stopped taking um, Adderall, I, I tried to develop systems that worked for me so that I wouldn't have to take the medicine. And it wasn't really until I understood who I was and what it was that motivated me and how I could stay motivated that I learned how to do the thing. Doing the thing has to be self-sustaining. It's the greatest detriment in the world for me to hear someone tell me that I need to do something. When you tell me that I should do something, probably the first thing I want to do is not that thing and maybe even ensure that I never have to do it ever. Even when I'm responsible for something, even when it's as something as simple as getting my passport, there was nothing more that I wanted to do than, well, not that. But it even extends to the things that I want to do. And that's where, where everything gets kind of personal. And I want to talk about what I do. And I would love to hear about what you do because I'm a hot mess. And you know what? That's okay. If you're a hot mess, that's okay. But I want to I want to get you thinking about what it is that you do that helps you do something that you want to set your mind to. So, um I guess I'm going to bring up that I like shooting. I know that that kind of demonizes me in some in some lights, but uh but I like I like practical shooting especially sports shooting. If you ever look up USPSA or uh, IPSC on, on uh, YouTube. That's, that's kind of what I go for. I'm going to talk about the Zen of shooting in the future. It's not really meant to be political. I just want to, you know, just talk about the feeling. And so uh, I recently purchased a new pistol specifically so I could get involved in practical shooting again. And, uh, and it's not just, you know, the, the investment in practical shooting isn't just the pistol. You need some extra magazines. You need to buy some ammo if you're not making your own. And, uh, and, and you need some holsters and a belt, and, and that's pretty much what you need. Um, that's your initial investment. And uh, I would love to be able to reload my own ammo, because that saves you a lot of money. But it's expensive to, to get started doing that. And, um, and I didn't want to spend that money until I could be sure that I was going to keep doing the thing. So I made this deal with myself, and I always do this with things. I make sure that I make a big enough investment in something that I want to do, like streaming. And I buy the things to, to do things in a way that I feel satisfactory. 
Not like I'm always wanting, not like I feel like I'm at a distinct disadvantage, but, but enough that I feel prepared. And in this case, pistol, holster, magazines, magazine carrier, belt. And then I make sure to practice and put in the time to learn what I'm doing and to, to feel prepared. And then I challenge myself. And at first it's just, you know, at the range or out shooting with friends, just a personal challenge. It doesn't have to be an exercise for everyone, just something I want to accomplish. And then when I can accomplish that goal, I push myself and into a competition, which I'll be doing this June. We'll, we'll take some video. It'll be fun. And, uh, and it's only after that point do I feel like I can reward myself. See, I'm a person who will skip the whole reward system if I can. The instant gratification portion of it is so much more fun when you don't have to earn it. And that's where it becomes helpful to have a support system. And I want to be thankful to my wife for being that. Uh, I don't want to continue to speak down about my parents. And I really felt like they held me accountable for things. I never, I never really got told, well, you gave up on that, so you don't get to do this anymore. I was actually kind of kept away from everything. So whenever there's a goal that I want to accomplish, I make sure that I hold myself accountable to tell my wife. She's my support network. And I have some friends too, but she's the one who can hold me accountable. I say, I want to be a competition shooter. I want to accomplish these things before I move to the next stage. And here is the reward I set for myself. And then I have to be honest about whether or not I push myself in that situation. She knows what it's going to look like when I practice. She knows what it's going to look like when I go to a competition. And it's only at that point where if a reloading kit shows up that she'll say, wait a second, that you're going to wait till these things were accomplished. But it doesn't always have to be negative because she helped me purchase that pistol. Not just from a financial standpoint, she, she let me say yes to myself. And we started with that. I think that was the first episode we recorded. Say yes to yourself. It's hard. And it's, it's especially hard when you don't have confidence. And I do. In spades, I don't deserve it, but I do. And even for me, it's hard because I feel the weight of the responsibilities to other people and to myself. It's hard to say yes to yourself when when it feels like everything you do takes away from someone else. But that's not what life is about. That's not what we're about. And there are some of us out there who are tethered to a really bad situation where saying yes to yourself means someone else loses out. But that's not fair. Life's not fair. And so you need someone to give you permission to, to walk away from that responsibility every once in a while. You have to have something in your life to look forward to. Something doesn't always have to be the reward. It could be the challenge. And so for me, in competition shooting, the challenge is to, to find my center 
and in that center find a way for me to improve myself. One of my strengths as a person is that I can analyze a situation and adjust myself mentally so that whatever I come into, it's not strictly muscle memory that dictates my performance. The mental aspect of it sits in there too. And those challenges and my failures in those challenges are the most gratifying things because for my 1,000 attempts, the one success that I have is worth the world. I know this one's running a little bit long, but it's something I think I wanted you to tap into. What's the reward system for you? What do you dream about? I started this podcast because I felt it in my heart. That sounds corny, but there was a message that I felt like I needed to share. That sounds corny too, but it's there. It's in, it's in my heart. It's something I think about constantly in conversations with my coworkers. I think about how can I make this a conversation I can have with you. And I know that if you're listening to this and you're saying, wait a second, I've been sleeping on something. And that's what it is, right? You're sleeping on it. I've been waiting for my moment. I've been looking for someone to say yes to me, to, to give me permission to do this, to, to find it in myself to say yes to this. This is your opportunity. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. Whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you wanted to do, that, that one thing, I want you to make a plan for it. You don't have to do it. But I'm telling you to say yes to yourself. Make a plan. Say, this is where I want to start. These are the things that would make me happy to start with. And figure out how to get those things. I'm going to pull out a really bad quote, and I don't want you to run your life this way, but it makes sense in this, in this regard. It's, um, it's from a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it's, it's, it's terrible. It's just, it's, it's not good life advice because it's, it's meant to be applied to you, to you from an economic standpoint. But, but I want you to listen to this. The, the quote is, don't say, I can't afford this. Say, how can I afford this? And that's one of those really gray area things because that's dangerous. But I want you to make that plan for yourself, for the, for the thing you want to accomplish. I don't want you to look at it and say, I just want to buy a boat. I'm like, I, I want you to, you want to accomplish something. I want you to feel gratification in what it is that you're chasing here. It's got to be lasting, okay? I want you to say, these are the things that I need to feel like I'm getting a good start. I want you to make a plan for that, all right? Make a plan for that. And instead of saying, I can't afford these things, I can't give myself these things, I want you to have a second plan for how you can afford those things or how you can acquire those things or even how you can be in the same arena as those things. Borrow them, rent them, whatever. I want you to feel that. That's so empowering. And then I want you to set a goal that says, I will take the next step if I can accomplish this. And it's so elementary to think that way. But that's the way we're taught all the way through school. You can have this opportunity 
if you can accomplish these things. But someone else was holding us to that task. So I want you to, to find a goal and say, this is the reward I give myself. And I want that reward to be connected to whatever it is that you're doing. So in the case for me, I want to get involved in a further set of shooting. We call it three gun. You get a pistol, rifle, shotgun. I would like a shotgun. But I'm only going to allow myself to purchase a shotgun if I can accomplish what I want in competition. So that's how I'm holding myself to that task. But I want it to be related to the project. And then I want you to tell somebody. And it could be me. If you want that to be me, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm available for you. But tell somebody who cares about you or who you care about or both and say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to start. This is where I want to go. And this is how I'm going to reward myself. And I want your help. And let that person remind you how much you love this. And then when they do, don't deny it. Don't argue. Say, thank you, you're right. I needed that. And then I want you to do the thing. Focus is a Patreon-supported podcast. I'm so glad you're here. If you're listening, this is, this is your time. This is time that you've spent with me, and I appreciate that. It's worth more than the world. But to those who are participating in the Patreon program, Vigilante, Anastasia Beaverhausen, and the White Prince, thank you for your support. You're keeping the website alive, and you make it worthwhile. If you'd like to communicate with me, you can always find me at focusbycisco.com. There's tons of communication options there. Or at focusbycisco on Twitter. Or you can email me at ron at focusbycisco.com. I'd love to hear from you if you'd like to discuss this episode or any past episodes or if you have any ideas for future episodes. But that communication line is always open, even if you're just looking for somebody to support you. I'll see you when the plot requires it. But until next time, be excellent to each other.